0: The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 15th chapter. Now, Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep, Than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I have lost just so I tell you there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents the gospel of the lord
1: Praise well i'm sure you'll hear some stories of my summer it's good to be back but i i do have One, I'm going to share today about learning to practice what I preach, and I I really kind of hate it when that happens. So one of the things I really believe in is the importance of showing up. Showing up to your kids' games, showing up to volunteer, showing up when a friend needs you, and showing up when someone dies. Well, this summer, my husband's grandpa, Albert, died at the age of 97. We all loved him very much. He was a salt-of-the-earth, God-fearing man, and he lived his whole life in Beulah, North Dakota, most of it his home, except for during World War II when he was on the Enterprise as it was bombed by kamikazes. And, of course, we all wanted to go to his funeral. But the thing is, in North Dakota, funerals are right away often less than a week after the death. And I had literally just gotten back from North Dakota. And after a lot of traveling in July, I was ready to just stay home and enjoy my last month of sabbatical. This was inconvenient timing. You know how it is. And to top it off, the kids were at all church camp, which they look forward to all summer. We'd have to pick them up early, drive through Montana, which, let me tell you, lasts forever, all the way to Beulah. Well, of course we went. And as we gathered with all of Corey's cousins, who were together for the first time since our wedding 21 years ago, and I watched my sons be the pallbearers, and as we wept and told stories and said goodbye and hugged and took pictures and ate Cheetos and Pepsi at the reception because those were his favorite foods, (laughs) I was very glad to have been able to get over myself and show up. I looked around and I knew it doesn't matter how far or how inconvenient or how many other things you would rather be doing, showing up can be one of the most important things you'll ever do. But it is hard a lot of the times. And as I was studying the lost sheep and lost coin stories this week, I found myself wondering if one of the reasons it's so hard to show up is because, quite frankly, a lot of us are lost. Maybe even we all are lost. At Manna Bible Study on Wednesday, where we gathered to study the lessons for the Sunday, it was the 18th anniversary of September 11th. Asked where we all had been when it happened. I was pregnant out to here, watching the Today Show and on my Nordic track. One woman was in San Diego and got stranded for two weeks. Others were traveling and, remember, gathering around small little TVs at Lake Crescent Lodge or the Old Faithful Inn. We all had stories share. And then I remembered that the lost sheep and lost coin stories were the lessons that were preached the Sunday after 9-11 in 2001. I actually preached that day. And I remember talking about those pictures that were up all over Manhattan. Have you seen this man, this woman? People were desperately seeking lost loved ones, and didn't we all feel so lost as we watched those events unfold? There are many ways of being lost. Family problems, addiction, mental illness, chronic pain, terminal illness. And what can be so hard about some of those is when no one really knows what you're going through, but you put on a happy face and you might show up, but you might feel pretty lost. David Loes, a wonderful preacher, talked about lots of ways that we lost, some we might not even think of, as being lost, and I wonder if, like me, you can identify with any of these. Might the career-minded man or woman who's made moving up the ladder the one and only priority be lost? Might the folks who work jobs they hate just to give their family things they never had be lost? Might the parents who want their children to succeed so much they wrap their whole lives around hockey games and dance recitals be lost? Might the senior who has a great pension plan but little sense of meaning since retirement be lost? Might the teen who works so hard to be perfect and who's willing to do just about anything to fit in be lost? Or might the earnest Christian, who is constantly wondering if she or he has done enough, be lost? You know, Jesus was talking to the Jewish version of earnest Christians. The Pharisees and scribes did everything right. They showed up at synagogue. They showed up for prayer time. And when they heard about Jesus, they showed up to ask him some questions. Only Jesus was always surrounded by people who were obviously lost. Tax collectors, literally criminals stealing money from people they collected their taxes from. Prostitutes, the worst of society. And not only did they surround Jesus, he ate with them. And I don't just mean grabbed a quick coffee. He showed up at their homes Sat at their tables, spent hours talking and eating. When you showed up at someone's house for dinner, you did them an honor, showing them you respected and valued them. And the Pharisees didn't like it. I wonder if they were a bit like me and how I didn't want to show up because it was going to be inconvenient. Hanging out with tax collectors and sinners in their minds was way worse than driving 19 hours straight halfway across the country. So Jesus starts telling stories. He actually tells three of them. The story of the lost sheep, the story of the lost coin, and the story of the lost son, which many of us know as the prodigal son. When Jesus starts off with the lost sheep story, he says, Which of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one, doesn't leave the ninety-nine and go after the one until you find it? Let's think about that for a minute. Because the ninety-nine are left in a scary place in the Bible called the wilderness, and you only lost one percent of your sheep. Which of you, like me, would cut your losses and let the sheep go? Maybe. Now, I can get the woman. Because if those coins, each of which was worth a lot of money, was her whole net worth, I would be sweeping my whole house. I would be on my hands and knees looking under every nook and cranny. Are you with me, finding that lost coin? So what I think ties these stories together... The parties. The shepherd returns with that wayward sheep draped across his shoulders and calls all his friends and neighbors to come over for a party. PJ said, I wonder what they ate. <laughs> Good one, I thought. <laughs> the woman, after she finds the coin, calls her friends and neighbors and throws a party, presumably, maybe, spending more on the party than the coin was worth. So really what we have are two pretty foolish characters throwing parties, inviting everyone they knew. But Jesus says there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 who need no repentance. And it calls for a party. The Pharisees and scribes were grumbling at the beginning and somehow I doubt this made them feel any better. Do you remember what the older brother said when his younger prodigal brother got home after taking his inheritance and squandering it on on prostitutes and gambling and then when he came home, his dad had a huge party for him? The bro said, what about me? I've been here all along. I've followed the law. I did what you asked. Where's my party? Jesus says the older brother refused to show up at the party. His dad just kind of sadly tells him, your brother was lost and now he's found. Why wouldn't I have a party? Won't you join us? We don't know if he did. It's funny how often we show up for the wrong things we show up to complain we show up for all kinds of things that don't give us life or don't bring us together as a community but it is hard to figure out what to show up for when you are lost when you're worried about money or your kids being every opportunity When you're constantly worried about fitting in or so lonely, it's practically paralyzing. When you're angry or feeling self-righteous, it's hard to show up. But the thing is, it's not like God's asking us to come to a funeral. God just wants us to show up at the party. You know, when I was in seminary, I was a TA for worship class, and I was taught that what we're doing right here in worship is a party. We're singing songs, we're sharing a meal, and our jobs as pastors is to be your host so you can focus on Jesus and how amazing it is to be here, no matter how lost you might be. You see, that is the thing. No matter where you are, stuck on a cliff or tangled in some brambles, buying away. Maybe you're in a corner collecting dust, just waiting to be swept up. Or maybe you've been here all along and you want someone to notice how hard you've been working. But no matter how lost you are, Jesus shows up for you. He sends you a friend. He gives you his word. He listens when you talk to him, even if you don't know what to say. He shows up on the cross for us. And every week, he throws us a party right here. I am glad you showed up because Jesus loves hanging out with us lost people for some reason. And when you showed up here today in heaven, the joy was unimaginable. Because there is no grace period. There's only grace period. So, shall we get on with the party? Amen.